been an Advent season, and what Advent is again, you know, obviously the world, much of the world, obviously our country celebrates the Christmas season, but only Christians celebrate Advent because what Advent means is a coming or an arrival. And so we celebrate kind of two Advents in the Christmas season. We look back on, the, on Christ's first coming, when, 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 when Jesus, when he put on flesh and dwelt among us, when he was laid in a, in a, in a manger, right? We, we, we celebrate his first coming and, and, and his first advent we also look forward to his second advent his second arrival his second coming so in our worship of christ in his first coming we naturally go to he's coming again and we celebrate his coming again and so where we've been in our advent season is we've been talking about the offices of christ and and what we're going we're teaching the offices of christ and there's particularly three offices of christ he's prophet priest and king and we talked about jesus being prophet last week if you missed it you can go online and check it out next week we're talking about jesus being king and then after that before christmas eve we're going to talk about that he's that he is coming again his second coming we're going to begin to anticipate that but this morning in particular i want to look at the office of jesus as priest and what that means, and, and I'm probably going to give you a couple of disclaimers. One, I know many of you maybe are from the Northeast, very highly Catholic area. Uh, I want to say that, obviously, when I say priest, all, you, you all might go to some places in your mind, not what I mean. Uh, and so we hope to kind of clear that up for you this morning. The other thing I want to just encourage you in, uh, I'm going to be talking about some theological things. I'm going I'm I'm to say some words and some names uh, and, and I'm going to try to make uh, the, the theological things clear to you so that you walk from this place understanding better the priesthood of Christ and what that means for you practically. Uh, but I, I'd say that to say buckle up because we're going to get into it. All right. All right. Let's dive in. Hebrews 2 is where we're going to start. And uh, I, I'm going to read 2 verse 17 to you. It says this. Therefore, he, Jesus, had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Okay, so first of all, I'll read Hebrews 2.17 to you to explain that Jesus was in fact a priest. That Hebrews, much of Hebrews is written to kind of solidify Jesus' role as priest, as high priest. And so we got to get into that. What does that mean? And, and, then, and particularly that he was a merciful and faithful high priest in the service to God. And, and, and then to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Now, I'll say that word again later. Uh, if you don't know what the word propitiation means, very simply, it's here I stood. My sin deserved the wrath of God before I trusted Christ had faith in, in, in Christ. So the wrath of God was set on me and God through his son Jesus propitiated it or moved it off of me and gave it to his son Jesus. Right? So he propitiated the wrath of God off of me onto Jesus. Right? So this is what propitiation is. He also took Christ's righteousness and, and gives it to me. Therefore, the righteousness of Christ is then accredited to my account. This is what makes us holy as he is holy. This is how you're allowed entrance into heaven at all is because you have been credited with the righteousness of Christ. Now, you may have come in here thinking, I'm going to go to heaven because of my own righteousness, because of my own morality, because of my own holiness, or because I'm a decent person. That could not be further from the biblical truth. 
the only way we are allowed entrance into heaven into the presence of the holy god forever is that our sin has been uh, put onto christ and the wrath of god propitiated off of us onto jesus and it doesn't stop there that the righteousness that jesus earned was given to us was what was was given to us so that when we stand before the god before god the father we are uh, covered in the righteousness of Christ. We, we are as holy as he is holy. We are above reproach because we have in our standing the credit of Christ's righteousness. That's what it means to go to heaven. That, that, that's what it means to be able to allow entrance into heaven forever is that you were given the righteousness of Jesus. You didn't earn it. It was given to you by faith. So I say all that because we'll get into it a little bit more. Now first, what is a priest? What is a priest? And to... to, to uh, clarify what is a priest you have to wipe out if, if you have catholic background wipe that out of your head uh, go further back to the old testament now if you look at the old testament priesthood what you're going to find is you're going to find a, a group of people that are offering unto god on behalf of the people sacrifices worship prayers praise unto god they were the mediator between man to god now these are what the two roles do last week we talked about the prophet prophet is the one that speaks on behalf of god to the people priest is the one that represents the people to god so they're basically uh the opposite roles uh, of one another prophet and priest and so the priesthood the old testament priesthood was really a type of christ like the whole establishment of the priesthood was pointing to jesus you've heard me say this a hundred times every word of the old testament is about jesus every bit of it and everything that is established in the old testament is a is pointing to either coming christ or christ or the type of christ and so the priesthood is a a type of christ it is a is an illustration of the coming reality that's what the priesthood was and so these these priests would make sacrifices and and they would uh you know uh make uh, make um, mediation between man and god now the latin word for priest is pontifex which also means uh, a bridge builder which I, I love that word picture for us what a priest is is a bridge builder and uh because without a bridge being built between us and god there is no way for us to get to god this positionally gives us the mindset of where we are god is holy he's other than entirely other than he's he, he is unreachable in our own power in our own might and here we are uh sinners uh separated from god um children of wrath sons of disobedience this is what the scripture calls us before christ and we need a bridge between us and god we can't get there in our own power we can't get there in our own morality we can't get there in our own efforts we need a bridge we need a way for us to get to god and and this is what christ becomes for us now before i get to that though looking back on what the old testament priest did every year once a year yom kippur day of atonement on the day of atonement the high priest would sacrifice a calf or, or a ram or, or a lamb and they would, they would take that sacrifice into what was called the Holy of Holies. Now, the Holy of Holies was like 
inside the temple, like the, the, the most inside the temple you could get. There was room, 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 holy holies, right? And, and no one could go in there. And once a year, the high priest would go in there to make a sacrifice. And, uh, and, and that was the only time anyone would go in there. The, the Ark of the Covenant was there. And, and so they would make sacrifice, and, and he would sprinkle blood on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. And what this was was a yearly atoning sacrifice for the sins of Israel. And so every year, this high priest, slaughter a lamb, slaughter a bull, take the blood into the Holy of Holies and say, God, here, forgive us of our sin. And, and, and that was the once a year covering the kind of collective sins of Israel. You had on the regular sacrifices made for individual sins. People would bring their own sacrifice, their own atonements. They would come and the, and, and the streets would run red with blood. Because it, it you know, the, as Hebrews also says to us, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. This is what had to happen in the, what was happening in the Old Testament was these sacrifices was the way in which to have your sin kind of expiate or removed from you, be forgiven uh, for your sins. And so they would come and kill animals. If you read Leviticus, it's a bloody, bloody book. Matter of fact, they're killing animals for sins they know they've done. They're killing animals for, I think I may have sinned. They're killing and animals say, I don't know that I've sinned, but just in case, right? That's what they're doing. They're, they're just, uh, the sacrificial system, they're just constantly uh, atoning for sin by, by blood. And, and so this is continuing to happen throughout the, and again, this sacrificial system is a type of the, uh, an illustration of the coming reality, which is, which we find fulfilled in Christ. Now, Obviously, there's two problems with the Old Testament system. We know this now in hindsight, but there's two major problems. The first one is this, is that whatever animal they sacrificed uh, only lasted up to their next sin, which was, you know, their road rage pulling their camel out and some camel pulled out in front of them, you know, when they leave the temple, right? Uh, it didn't last long, right? So, so these animals, the, the sacrifice just didn't last long. And, uh, and, and so... So you have these imperfect sacrifices that really the blood and goats and bulls don't, don't take away sin. That's what the Bible teaches us. The second problem is that you had priests offering sacrifices that were unholy in and of themselves, meaning they had to have, they had to make sacrifices for their own sin before they could be the mediator between God and man to make, help them with the sacrifices to God. So you had an imperfect Sacrifice. You also had an imperfect mediator. And, and, and so you, you needed, what Hebrews is explaining to us is we need a better sacrifice. And we need a better priest. And this is what Jesus is for us. He is the better sacrifice. And he is the greater priest. And all of Hebrews is, is pointing us to the picture that he is those, those things. Now, if you're, a, if you're an Israelite, when I, and I was to say, if, if we had Jewish folks in here, and, and I would say, yeah, Jesus was the priest, they would begin to say, hold on a minute. Uh, we, we have a genealogical problem with that. And they would say this. They would say, you know, the priests came from, you know, there was 12 tribes of, of Israel. They would, say, you know, they would say that the priests come from the, 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 the tribe of Levi. Right? Now, some of you just saw the tribe of Levi meant you could wear jeans to church, right? Uh, 
it's more than that, right? Uh, Levi, the Levitical priesthood, the, the book of Leviticus, it's all the Levite uh, priesthood kind of uh, the, 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 the rules for the Levitical priesthood. That's the Levi, the tribe of Levi. But as we know, Jesus was a lion from the tribe of Judah. So he wasn't from the line of Levi, he was from the line of Judah. So how then can Jesus be a priest if he's not from the line of, of Levi? Glad you asked. Let's read Hebrews 5. So also, this is uh, 5, 5 and 6. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. All right, now I want to briefly kind of explain something that thousands of books have probably been written on, the order of Melchizedek. Uh, what, why it's significant to our message today is to know that the priesthood of Melchizedek predated and was higher than the priestly order of Levi. Uh, Jesus was appointed by God as a priest, and he was appointed by God as a priest in the order of Melchizedek. Now, um, hang tight with me. Let's read Hebrews 7. We're going to see a little bit about, about Melchizedek. What, very little there is in the Bible about Melchizedek, but we're going to see about Melchizedek, and, and we're going to see um, kind of what this means. So 7 verses 1 through 3. For this Melchizedek... King of Salem, priests of the Most High God, met Abraham returning from slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And to him, Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. He is first, by translation of his name, king of righteousness. And then he is also king of Salem, that is, king of peace. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. But resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. See how great this man was to whom Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of his spoils. All right. Abraham just whooped up on some kings. He's heading back home. And, and all of a sudden he runs into this guy, Melchizedek. And is so moved that he gives a tithe of all, the all he owns. He's a tenth of all I have. He worships him. And how the Bible describes him, king of Salem, uh, righteous one, like all, all these things, without mother or father or, or beginning, we would read that and be like, is this Jesus? Is this Jesus? Uh, now, there are times in the Bible, in the Old Testament, that I believe, are, which are called Christophanies, where Jesus appears in the Old Testament. One of the greatest examples is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They're in the furnace, and there's a, there's a fourth one as, as like the Son of God with them. We believe that to be Jesus with them. The burning bush, uh, we believe Jesus to be speaking there. Uh, so, uh, th there are Christophanies in the Old Testament that, that where Christ appears. I don't think Melchizedek is one of those. I, I think Melchizedek is a type, meaning a pointing, an illustration of the coming reality of Christ, but I don't think it was Jesus himself. However, there is a great word picture here for us in that as the relationship between Melchizedek and Abraham was, so is Christ and us in that 
he obviously has no beginning uh, and no end. We worship him. We give him all we have. We, we give him the spoils of the blessings that he's given upon us. We worship him. Now, here's why Melchizedek is a higher order than Levi. He predates it, and it's established by God. Uh, there are three, really, the Bible says very little about Melchizedek. There's really three places. In Genesis, there's three verses about him. In Psalm 110, we read where uh, God, King David is having this conversation, uh, documenting this conversation between, between God and Jesus, where he establishes him as the priest of the order of Melchizedek, and then here in Hebrews 7. And, but what we see in Hebrews 7 is... Um, that he's being established as the ultimate priest for the people. Now, a beautiful thing about this is that the Levitical priesthood was pretty specifically for the Israelites. Uh, the order of Melchizedek is, I think, a greater priesthood for all people. So, so you had the Levitical priesthood kind of more ethnic in function, and you have a higher priesthood of Melchizedek, which is more national, more nationalistic, more, more, more uh, I'm sorry, for, for the nations, uh, more for all people, right? So, so Jesus being established in the order of Melchizedek is a proclamation of, the, of, of what Christmas was. Christmas was not just a baby, cute little baby, being born in a manger, isn't that sweet, all great. Christmas was an act of war to, to save sinners from all nations, languages, tribes, and, 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 and from all people groups. Like, this was God moving on behalf of humanity to make a way that sinners, all sinners, not just Israelites, not just the, the, the historical people of God, but that all people, praise God, Gentiles, like most of us, can come to faith in Christ and be given the right to call the children of God. This is what Christmas was. It was an, an act of war on our sin and, and, and on the boundaries of, of, of what uh, salvation was at the time. And so when Christ comes, he came first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. And, and so, yes, he came from the Jews, but the, the gospel goes into all the world because Jesus is the Savior of the world. He is the Savior of, uh, of the world. Now, Again, these types, um, the priesthood, the sacrificial system, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, the one sacrificial system, all these are illustrations of a reality, uh, of, of reality. And, uh, and so they're types of, uh, of Christ. Now, I want to read to you Hebrews 4, 14 and 15, because now, now that I've established that Jesus was a higher priesthood than the Levitical priesthood and that he, his priesthood is to all nations, not just Israel, uh, I want to now uh, talk about what kind of priest he was. Hebrews 4, 14 and 15. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. I think what we're going to see here is Jesus was the ultimate priest. Jesus was the ultimate priest. He is our ultimate bridge builder. We, we, we no longer need the Old Testament priest 
to come and make sacrifice on our behalf. We don't need the Old Testament priest to come and be the mediator between us and God. We have a high priest, and Jesus fulfills that role for us. So, so again, maybe some of you are from Catholic background. We have no need to confess our sin in a booth to a man. We have a high priest in Christ who is the mediator between man and God. He is all that we need. He, he is all that we need. And so he is the ultimate priest uh, established for us to, to get us to God. And so uh, I want to read to you a couple verses quickly. 1 John 2, 2 says this. He is the propitiation for our sins. Remember propitiation, the wrath of God onto Christ, righteousness onto us. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. 1 John 1, 29. This is John the Baptist. The next day he, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We have a high priest that takes away the sins of the world. Now what does this mean? Because uh, some of you may say, well, isn't that universalism? Is he taking away all, all the sins of all people of all the world? If he's taking away all the sins of all the people of all the world, that means everybody's going to heaven, right? No, uh, that is not accurate what primarily when they're talking about world they're talking about open to the gentiles that it goes beyond israel to the world to every tribe tongue nation and language that there will be many that come to faith in christ and and have their sins atoned for and so it's not a universal atonement uh, for sin it is it is for those who uh, believe upon christ um and, and again i just reiterate but what we see here emphasized throughout i mean especially in the new testament where uh he's the savior of the sins of the world he removes the sins of the world he's a propitiation for the sins of the world but we also see it in the old testament when he tells abraham that from his seed would come a blessing to all nations not just the nation of israel but to all nations then we see it with him being jesus being ordained in the order of the priesthood of melchizedek you see god's heart is for the nations it's for the nations and so Jesus is a priest on behalf of all peoples. He's a priest on behalf of all nations. This is, this is why Christianity isn't a nationalistic or tribal religion. It is for all people to come and be saved from what is the universal problem of sin. And there's only one universal solution, and that is faith in Christ. It is the only way to have sin removed from us and to be counted as righteous before God forever. Jesus is the only priest that can accomplish that work. He's the, he's the greatest sacrifice, and he is the greatest priest. And again, that is what Christmas is all about. Now, uh, I, I want to just point to Hebrews 9 here, and uh, I'm going to read it kind of slow so we can get it, uh, and, and then, and then kind of move into what does this mean for us? What does the priesthood of Christ mean for us kind of on a more practical level? Nine, starting in verse 11, Hebrews 9, 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. 
For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more with the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Okay, again, just to break this down a little bit for us. We had sin. We were born with it. All humanity was born with it. And no, there is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. This is what happened when Adam and Eve fell in the garden. God slaughtered an animal to clothe them. This is the sacrificial system established in the Old Testament. Why did they kill animals for the removal of sin? It was what it took for the removal of sin. Now, we know that the blood of goats and heifers was not efficient to save. What we needed was a perfect sacrifice that would be willing to lay down their life on our behalf. Now, what this Hebrews 9 talks about is that Jesus, who was a a greater sacrifice because he was not born, he's always been, he comes and lays himself down, uh, giving up his life. No one takes it from him. He lays down his own life, becoming a sacrifice the shedding of blood for the removal of sins. This is the sacrifice we needed. But the beautiful thing about the scriptures is it says that he was the just and the justifier. It means he was both the sacrifice and the priest. It means he was the one worthy enough to, to not just make a mediation between God and man. He was the one worthy enough to lay down his own life to be the blood covering we needed to make us righteous. Jesus was the priest, the shedding of blood that we needed. Otherwise, we are still in our sin. We talk about the blood of Jesus washes us white as snow. If we have not put our faith and trust into Christ, we are not white as snow. We still stand with the wrath of God remaining on us and guilty in our own sin, deserving the wrath of God. It's by faith, and this is the beauty of God, by faith, the, the righteousness of Christ is accredited to, to us as our own righteousness. And our sin is expiated removed from us separated as far as the east is from the west because that was how good of a sacrifice and a priest that jesus is because of the worth of christ because of his value because of who he was and is this is why the one sacrifice was sufficient and efficient to save the nations and all who would trust in him This is what Christ has accomplished. Now, let me give you some more here. Christ as priest continually brings us near to God. Continually brings us near to God. That means the work of the cross is constantly being applied to us by the Holy Spirit that we would be a people of the cross, that we would be a people that walk in the same way in which Christ walks. So, So he's constantly by the work of Jesus and the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, constantly bringing us closer to himself. You see this practically as you walk out your Christian life. Every time you repent of sin, it's a, it's a, it's a drawing near, a drawing to a greater dependency upon Jesus. Every time that you spend time in his word or, or with God's people, it's 
the work of the cross applied to the heart by the Holy Spirit, growing you to be more like Jesus and drawing you near to himself. Now, I hope this speaks some level of encouragement because I know many of you probably came in here today and spiritually, you're kind of in a wasteland. It's kind of dry. No, no real spiritual life in you. Maybe sin is a factor. And you're like, man, I don't, I, I don't know where me and God are. I, you know, I, I've trusted him, but I... Again, hear the encouragement. If you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, and there are, there are ways in which you can see if the Holy Spirit resides in you, but if you are in Christ, what you do does not matter for your standing with Christ. It's, he is your priest, and He is your sacrifice. So when we stand before God for, and, and, and begin to, you know, for eternity, let's say he theoretically asks you, why should I let you into heaven? The only answer we have to give is because Jesus died on my behalf. That's it. And so if you came in here and you're like spiritually in a wasteland or you don't know, you, you don't know up from down spiritually, I would encourage you, press into Christ. I, I'm not telling you to, to be better or do better. I'm, t- I'm telling you to, to behold Jesus. And the work that he accomplished for you on the cross, as you dwell upon the work of the incarnation, as we dwell upon the work of of the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ, that we grow in our likeness to him. And it should be an encouragement to us that Christ as our priest is continually drawing us nearer to God. 1 Timothy 2.5 For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. There is no other mediator between God and men. Not even yourself. And and this is an, an act of dependency that we have to continue to grow in as a body of believers. That Christ is what we need. Christ is all we need. Christ is who we're dependent upon for our whole salvation. He's the one we're clinging to to save a wretch like me. And he'll do it. The second thing we see uh, is that Jesus says, priest continually prays for us. I love this. I love this uh, picture of Christ here. Jesus says, priest continually prays for us. Jesus died on the cross was in the grave for three days, rose again, bodily, rose again. And now he has ascended, and he's at the right hand of the Father. And what he's doing, day in, day out, is he's making intercession. He's praying for us as his people. What a beautiful picture of the priesthood work of Christ continued today. The Son of God prays for you. Think about that. The very Son of God prays for you, knows you. You've been given to Him by His Father, knows you by name, and will never lose you. And He, not only will He not lose you, but He prays over you. What a beautiful picture of our great and good God. What a beautiful picture of the Savior in His priestly work. Now, I want to 
give us some practical here. How then are we to be like Jesus? Again, 1 John, if you're a Christian, you will walk in the same way in which he walked. You will walk in the same way in which he walked. So how then are we to walk as in, 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 in priesthood? How are we to walk as Jesus walked in a priestly nature? There are a couple of things here. First of all, 1 Peter 2.9 considers the church a royal priesthood. So there's a priesthood of believers, meaning that Christ has so saved and worked in our life that now it's not just uh, okay for us to just sit and do nothing, but now we are uh, moving and working alongside of God in the priesthood work among the world. Now what that means for us, particularly one way that we practice the priesthood of the believer is our proclamation of the gospel, that we proclaim that Jesus is uh, the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him. And in our proclamation of Jesus heralding the truth, the gospel, the good news, that God saves sinners through his son Jesus, we are, we are coming alongside and, and walking as Jesus walked in the proclamation of what is true. So one way that we come alongside of, of Christ in the work of the priesthood is by proclaiming how to be saved. Jesus is the mediator. Jesus is the mediator. And so we come alongside and just echo that. Jesus is the mediator. Now, we, we, we may have to explain that. Dude. We're just yelling at random people. But as, the message is Jesus is the only way to be right with God. Jesus is the only way to have our sin atoned for. Jesus is the only way to live in, in, in heaven forever. That's it. And so we partner in the priesthood work by coming along with the proclamation of the gospel of Christ. Another thing that we do as Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 would say, that we offer ourselves as living sacrifices. This simply means that there is no compartmentalizing Christianity. That, that your love for Jesus should permeate every aspect of your life. Whether you eat or drink, that you give all glory to God. Your work should be a work to the glory of God. Your parenting should be a parenting to the glory of God. Your retirement should be a retirement to the glory of God. Your driving on 95 should be a driving on 95 to the glory of God. Everything we do, certainly our worship in here, is done unto the, as a living sacrifice to the glory of God. That Christ has so moved in us to save us, that we are a people that seek now to die to ourselves, take up his cross, and follow after him. Are you that? Are you doing that? Have you died to yourself? Are you taking up the cross of Christ? Are you following after him? This is our, again, participation in the priesthood of Christ. Another one, quickly, is that we are active participants in joyful public worship. We see that in 1 Corinthians 14. And one of the ways that we participate with Christ in the priesthood work is that we joyfully worship Him publicly. As the priests, our ultimate high priests did. The worship of God a joyful worship of God publicly. This is how we participate. And again, that worship doesn't just, doesn't, isn't just limited to this place, though it should certainly be in this place. 
It should certainly be in this place. Meaning, uh, you know, uh, if you have to come in and just keep your fingers up like this all the time, you know, uh, you may not have joyful worship. I don't know. Um, but, but it's bigger than just, are you happy? Uh, a joyful worship is one that transcends circumstances. That you have joyful public worship when you're walking through cancer. That you have joyful public worship when you're walking through job loss financial burdens or rebellious children that you have a joy that is is that transcends whether you're in the in the valley or on the mountaintop and i say both of those because you know some people don't praise god when they get in the valley some people don't praise god when they get on the when everything's going great that's the Israelites, right? That, that, that was the warning to them. You're going to go into Israel, and you're going to get fat and sassy, and you're going to forget God. And that's exactly what they did. And so we have to be a people that are engaged in, in public, uh, joyful public worship of Christ. This is how we participate in the priesthood of the believer. And then the last one is that uh, Hebrews 13, it says that we do good and to share with others. You know, it's the, it's the Matthew Sermon on the Mount, that, that you are the light of the world, a city on the hill cannot be hidden. Uh, let, let us do good works before men that they would praise our Father who is in heaven. One of the ways that we join Christ in the priesthood is that we do good. That, that now, now, here are two practicals. One, we pray for people. We pray for people to be saved. I would love for the majority of our prayer life to be a crying out to God for the salvation of sinners. Not just a supplying the saints with stuff, but a, a salvation for those that don't know Christ. That, that we would cry out to God to save. That, that we would be, Christ is now interceding on our behalf, that we would make intercession on behalf of those around us that don't know Jesus. Secondly, now we're not the mediator that Christ is but that we would play the part, a part of mediation between man and God, that we would come alongside of men and, and again, point them to Jesus. This is how we do good. Now, sometimes that's through, through mercy ministries, like, man, we want to feed the hungry or, or serve the, 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 the first care uh, um, ministry, or, uh, you know, we want to just be involved in... in, in uh, doing good for others so they might see Christ. So they would see that there is something higher than what they've been counting on or living for. That there's a priest that they need and a sacrifice that they need in order to be right with God. Otherwise, they will never be. And so this is how we participate in the priesthood of, of God, in, uh, uh, of Christ. Now, lastly, I want to close by encouraging you in this. And maybe you're in here and you don't know Christ. And I'm talking, I mean, you could have been, maybe you just got drugged in here, you got conned into being here this morning, you were told it was going to be something different than it was, or, or whatever, and you're here and you're not a believer. Glad you're here. I would implore you to understand that there is only one way to be made right with God, and that was to the slaughter of His own Son. And it's by you trusting in that work of Christ on the cross that will remove your sin from you and give to you the righteousness of Christ because otherwise when you get to heaven God will look on you and he'll do one of two things if you're outside of Christ he'll see you and see your sin and punish you forever for the sins justly so or he'll look upon you if you're in Christ and he'll see Jesus 
the perfect blood of Jesus and be entirely satisfied. So come to faith in Christ. Maybe there are some of you in here, you've been in church a long time and you're a really good church person. But you just might not be a child of God. I would implore you to come to faith in Christ. Church attendance, church activity is not enough to save you. You need a priest and you need a sacrifice. Have you trusted in Jesus as your high priest and your sacrifice? Do so today. Trust Him today. Let's pray together. Our good and gracious Father, who sent His own Son and slayed Him, for it was impossible to save sinners without the shedding of blood. We praise You that you made a way to save sinners. And Jesus wasn't plan B, it was plan A. You, you set your love on us before the foundations of the world and you established Christ would be the priest for a people to make them right with you forever. And we praise you for that. And I pray, God, for the believer, I pray that they would continue to trust in that work and that, that the work of Christ as priest would just continue to draw us nearer to God and make us a more holy people. We are not where we want to be, God, but would you just continue to bring us repentance and conviction over our sins so we would walk according to your way. And for the non-believer in here, I pray, God, that you would rattle their very souls this morning with the reality that they have no mediator if they have not trusted Christ. They have no mediator if they have not trusted Christ. If their heart has not been regenerated Changed and the gifts of faith and repentance given, conversion hasn't happened. And so, Father, would you save? May we continually trust further in the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, and may it be what fills our heart and mind and preaching Christ and him crucified is our message to our own hearts and to the world our great high priest perfect in every way laid down his life to save a sinner like me praise be to God praise be to We thank you. And these prayers are, are bought with the blood and the authority of Christ. Amen.